All right. Hello and welcome to our weekly Wednesday uh, Flutter Spaces. Uh, so this one is recorded. Uh, it's the first one that's recorded. Uh, so that's why I'm talking a bit early here. Uh, so if you're uh, listening in, um, you're, you know, listening to the recording. Uh, yes, uh, I am here. Uh, there will be people here, hopefully. Um, but uh, let me invite them right now. All right, uh, so I'll keep the spaces on um, and I'll go silent until we have some more people join.
Hey, uh, hello, Matt. Uh, let me make co-host. How's it going, Ray? Hey, it's going good. How are you? Doing well. I like the new time for the for the uh, spaces. Oh, does it work for you? Yeah, I think this is probably a better time for me. Awesome. Awesome. And we have some new uh, listeners here as well. So if you'd like to uh, come up and speak, you know, share your thoughts about anything Flutter related or jump into anything we're discussing, uh, just press the mic button. Uh, so uh, Matt, I just sent you, uh, I just invited you to be a co-host. I know last time we didn't, weren't able to get this working. Maybe we'll have better luck this time. I also have not received any visual indication of an invite uh, here again, but we'll see if something changes. Okay, uh, I keep on sending it, but I, I don't know why it's not working. And I know other people, they have been able to uh, leave the space. Um, oh, I, I see. I see what's happening. Okay, I think I have to remove you as a speaker. Um before I can invite you as a host. So I'm going to remove you as the speaker. I'll, uh, I'll leave and, and rejoin with the invite. Oh, no, 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 no. Uh, you can't leave. So I actually can't invite you if you leave. Okay. Okay. Uh, sent you an invite. I uh, keep on inviting you to be the host, but I guess that's not working. Okay, well then, uh, I guess we can just be speakers for now. <laughs> yeah, that's weird. I don't know what the problem is. Uh... I guess I can check after this if I have an old version of the app or something. That might be the issue. Oh, maybe. Um, I think I have the latest version, but I'll double check as well. Um, and since we're just, you know, we just have a few people in here, uh, I'm going to, you know, reach out to uh, Akshay. Hello. Uh, thanks for joining. And uh, Shubham, um, thanks for joining as well. Um, and I see you're following uh, so thanks for following. And let me follow you back. Okay, I just followed both of you back. All right. Uh, if any of you would like to uh, come up and speak, you know, share your thoughts, um, talk about, you know, what you're thinking about with Flutter or what you're working on, um, just press the mic button. Uh, so Flood uh, actually asked a question, will F3 Prog's talks be uh, available on YouTube? Um, I have seen some of them on YouTube. 
Oh, and Akshay just dropped off. Uh, so I don't know if he heard that. Ray, do you want to try and invite me as host again? I uh, I updated the app. Oh, okay. Uh, let me invite you again. <laughs> okay, invite set. Uh, anything? Anything on your your end? No, I don't think so. I'm not seeing any any notifications or anything. Oh, shucks. Okay. Well, next time, uh, I'll, I'll definitely check to update my app. And next time, um, perhaps you can host and see if we have better luck that, that way. Sounds good. I think okay. Maybe you can uninstall and then install the app. Oh, per that's a good suggestion. I'll try that as well. Yeah. And hello, Shubham. Yeah. Hi. Hi, Ray. Hi. How do I pronounce your name? Shubham. It's, it's Shubham only. Ah, uh, Shubham. Yeah. Okay, perfect. So let me uh, and try to invite you as a co-host uh, to see if that works. Actually, I, I joined it, but uh, it's like 1 a.m. here in India. So maybe I'm <laughs> going to leave. Yeah. Well, okay. Uh, before you leave, um, since you're, you know, I guess uh, whatever whatever you want to talk about or you know say about Flutter, uh, we'll let you go first. Oh, I have nothing to say about because I'm I'm here. Uh, I was here to listen you guys. <laughs> That's only. Okay, great. Uh, well, we're I guess uh, we can't. Uh, discuss some things, especially uh, some of Matt's efforts. Um, if there's some things he wants to uh, discuss with me about that. Um, but otherwise, we're uh, just stick, uh, staying on the spaces call and letting people uh, trickle in um, as they will. Yeah, yeah. maybe maybe I, I will join some another time because it's pretty late for me. So I'll, I'm dropping out. <laughs> yeah, bye-bye. All right. Sounds good. Yeah. I just posted uh, a link to my Twitter feed. We'll see if that pulls anybody in. Awesome. I, I did send an invite uh, to uh, Mike and also to uh, Gautier. Um, so Gautier, he launched a Flutter product uh, this week on a product hunt. Um, and uh there were some interesting. Um, it, it, there was an interesting realization, you know, t uh, talking with him or uh, just messaging him. So, we we were talking about like all the Flutter influencers, right? 
and where did all these influencers go? Um, because back when Flutter started, this was very popular, and I, I, I we essentially launched the YouTube career of uh, Fireship, right? So Fireship, they started off uh, making you know videos about Flutter and Firebase, um, but where did all of that go? And the realization uh, talking with Gautier is that uh, Flutter they really haven't um, embraced the maker community. Um, at least that's like what we sort of felt like that the Flutter community um, and Google's efforts perhaps uh, have not been uh, that targeted towards the maker community. Uh, so just to close off that thought, uh, like from what I've seen, uh, Flutter's strategy, like Google's strategy with Flutter is to uh, position Flutter, you know, to enterprises. And since they're like an enterprise company, they really want to sell Flutter to businesses and to enterprises. And that's how, you know, they think that you get, you know, all the jobs. That's how you create Flutter jobs. That's how you get Flutter adoption. Um, of course, there have been a lot of efforts to reach out to developers as well, um, Android, iOS, and web developers, which is great. Um, I don't think that their enterprise and business strategy has been the most successful. <laughs> and uh, I, I guess them positioning it that way, uh, they, they haven't uh, nurtured the maker community all that much. Okay, so I'm done with that. Um, I'll hand it off to anyone who wants to comment. Matt, if you want to comment on that or any topic you want to discuss. And for our listeners, um, if you want to uh, join this conversation or you have any thoughts about Flutter, uh, click the mic button and I'll bring you up as a speaker. Yeah, I have some comments on what you just mentioned. And we, like you said, we talked about this in a previous spaces, but I think this that one wasn't recorded. This one is, so I'll repeat some of what I said in the last one. When it comes to people these influencers that got started with Flutter and then left Flutter. I don't think that's Flutter's fault. And I don't think it's a result of the business decisions of the Flutter organization. I think those people always just wanted to be tech influencers. They wanted to be on YouTube. They wanted to be on Twitter. They wanted the likes and the subscribes and all that stuff. And they don't really care which technology gets them there. Now, they have every, every right to feel that way. They can chase that kind of, you know, they're, they're the tech version of the, the people reviewing makeup products on Instagram or something, right? They have every right to chase that if they want. But it was never really about Flutter. Flutter was just an opportunity to get in the mix. And then they went off and did other stuff. You mentioned Fireship. I think Fireship is an easy example of that. Uh, there was never a commitment to Flutter there. But there was a moment where Flutter was the hottest thing in the app development tech world that jump started a channel and then it went everywhere else. And you rarely even see a Flutter topic on that channel anymore. So, um, you know, I, I think it's unfortunate that that happened. I think it's unfortunate that Flutter was just other people's vehicle to create a personal tech world celebrity. And I mentioned last time that I'm kind of a counterexample to that. I didn't, I didn't start publishing Flutter content because I was chasing the views and subscriptions. I did it because I felt that creating that content 
would help more people adopt Flutter, which would accelerate the rate at which the world starts to use Flutter as the standard UI toolkit for any and all applications. And so that's why even today I'm still, I'm not just out there creating videos about the latest uh, web or JavaScript framework. I'm still focused on Flutter because I still have the same belief that Flutter should be the default UI toolkit for all apps in the world. Uh, what I would recommend is that the Flutter community, to the extent that they can, to the extent that they're willing to, stop spending time and clicks and subscriptions on these influencers that just want to be internet famous and try to support the people who are actively uh, building the future of Flutter and who are actively teaching new, new Flutter topics that haven't been covered a million times. Then to the, the enterprise side of the Flutter organization, I do think it's true that the Flutter organization is focused a bit on enterprise, uh, but I don't think it's because they believe that's where the jobs are. I think it's because if you can win enterprise clients or enterprise adopters, that's the biggest bang for your buck. That whatever, whatever you invest in feature development in Flutter, if you multiply that by the thousands of people in those enterprise companies, and you multiply it by the stability of those companies, you can do less work for more adoption, less work for more gain, and I think that's probably their calculation. Whereas on the other hand, if you target startups, a startup might have half a dozen people, so you're, you're still working every bit as hard to get one company to adopt Flutter, but it's half a dozen people instead of five to 10,000 people. And then 90 plus percent of startups fail within five years. So most of those companies that adopt your toolkit don't exist in a few years anyway. Now that's not me uh, saying I agree with their strategy. That's just me giving some insight into what that strategy probably looks like on the inside. And Ray, I'll turn it back over to you or anybody else who'd like to jump in and speak. Yeah, that's great, Matt. And thanks for the uh, catching everyone up on this recorded call. Uh, before I respond to that, um, I want to give anyone else that's listening a chance to respond. Uh, so if you uh, want to, you know, uh, say something about Flutter or talk, uh, bring up any topic for discussion, uh, just press the mic button and I'll bring you up, up as a speaker. Um, or you can uh, comment on this uh, tweet thread and we'll keep an eye on that as well um, if you aren't able to uh, talk. Okay. Uh, I'll, uh, yeah, to address what uh, you were saying, Matt, um, I, I love I love that charitable uh, and optimistic interpretation of what's happening. Um, and <laughs> my optimistic take there is that, okay, so they are targeting enterprises and larger businesses, and they're getting, you know, uh, lots of, of people on board. And because enterprises, they move slowly, and they also change slowly. Uh Flutter will have a longer life cycle. Um, so there's this stat of uh, these cross-platform technologies have a life cycle of seven years. Um, seven years is very short. Uh, we're already on year five or four to five of Flutter. So, uh, you know, there's something to worry about there. But the charitable interpretation is that if you're actually, you know, selling on it to enterprises where lead times are like a year, um, then 
the timeline is more long term. So it could be something like we're we're just beginning to see the major adoption of Flutter in these companies. Um, so we're you know approaching uh, the growth stage, um, if you will, um, instead of you know already being at the plateau, which it could somewhat feel like to me. Oh, hey, uh, Gautier, uh, uh, thanks for joining. Uh, so uh, let me invite you as a speaker. Uh, so I see Gautier's here. Uh, okay. Uh, already, I did already invite you as a speaker, so I'll just cancel the invite and then invite you again. All right, invite set. And if anyone else would like to uh, come up and share your thoughts or uh, talk about any, you know, Flutter topic or anything you're building uh, for makers as well, uh, you're definitely uh, f free to, you know, click on the mic button and I'll bring you up. Uh, I see. Okay, so uh, Gautier, uh, you can't you can't speak right now because uh, uh, it's I guess it's pretty late where you are, um, and your son's sleeping. Um, so you just message that um, in the thread. Uh, that's all right. Um, uh, Matt, uh, do do you think we? Uh, it, it, I think we should talk about um, this initiative uh, that we're. Uh, jump-starting essentially that you're uh you've taken the lead on um uh, for building a flutter package that clones swift ui uh, do you want to uh you know uh give an intro to that and catch us up on where we're at sure so uh since swift ui has come onto the scene more and more over the last few years there there been this kind of growing trend of posts that uh, they show some cute little code sample and suggest that, hey, this would be so much harder in Flutter, or hey, Flutter can't even do this, Swift UI is the best, and all these kinds of things. And that's somewhat to be expected, unfortunately, due to the way that uh, the kind of tribalism and shiny object syndrome impacts the development community. But it kind of, it just keeps picking up steam. And we've run into a, a kind of a difficulty here where even though a lot of this idea is wrong, even though it's wrong to say that Flutter can't do these things, can't render those interfaces, can't uh, handle those gestures, what we lack is a really strong and simple and quick counter argument. Obviously, the easiest way to put that whole concern to bed is to be able to post roughly the same code, except in Flutter, producing essentially exactly the same experience. If we can do that, then we can. Then it, there should be no more confusion as to what Flutter can do or can't do, or what's difficult or what's easy, and it will become clear that no, actually, you can create that same. Swift UI experience with roughly equivalent code with roughly equivalent complexity and Flutter is more than capable of doing it. So there's a strong marketing reason for us to actually have a package where the widgets 
their structure, their names, their appearance, their interactions are as close to identical to Swift UI as possible so that we can return essentially to focusing on building the best future uh, for Flutter possible rather than arguing about whether this little cute Twitter snippet can be done in Flutter. So there's a marketing reason for us to kind of create a Flutter version of Swift UI. There's also, of course, a practical reason, which is that even though most apps these days are mostly branded towards the company that's producing it, for example, just look at the app you're using right now, look at X slash Twitter, how much of this reflects the particular rectangle phone that you're using? Probably very little. Almost all of what you're seeing here is branded and designed for X, not for the fact that it's running on iOS or running on Android. Nonetheless, many apps do still contain a screen here or there or pieces of their experience here or there, which do pull from that built-in, what we might call OEM or original equipment manufacturer UI. Things like your little iOS switch or something like that, or you might have a settings screen that looks like a traditional iOS settings screen. It, we want a, a Flutter world where the Flutter community feels totally comfortable that when and if they need those OEM UI pieces, they can quickly and easily drop them into place, get exactly what they expect, and their users aren't going to look at it and scratch their head and say, something is wrong here. I'm looking at it, it looks different. I'm touching it, it feels different. Um, we need to make sure that Flutter doesn't fall into that uncanny valley because not only is that not a great user experience, but I think we also know that the influencers, which you know, we just talked about some influencers, influencers will take those smallest customer concerns and they'll turn a molehill into a mountain. They'll write a bunch of negative blog posts, create negative videos, and then we get into this negative media cycle around Flutter, which is also a problem. So what I'm aiming to organize, what I've started to organize, is a community-driven effort to create a Flutter package which essentially replicates everything in the Swift UI catalog. And the goal is pixel perfect. The goal is exactly the same gestures, momentum, all of it. Some of that is much easier than others, and it's easier said than done, but that's the effort that I've started. Uh, I, so I put out a form for people to fill out saying they'd like to be involved. The next step, we, we have like 95 or something responses to that, which is a great, a great level of response. Some of those people said that they're willing to operate as UX leads. Now I've created, so I've created this concept of a UX lead where a person is responsible for ensuring in that particular area that this package replicates exactly what is in Swift UI. So an area might be typography. Do we have the same fonts? Are they shown at the same size? Uh, do those, there's also some crossover here where there's another UX lead for accessibility. Accessibility includes things like making all the text bold or larger. So there's a crossover between typography lead and accessibility lead. But there, because there are so many details to get right, I'm breaking them down into a bunch of categories. We're going to have individual people at the top of each of those categories who oversee the specification, the implementation, and kind of the QA process to make sure 
Yes, in that button, we've got the right font at the right size. It can be made bold through accessibility. It can be enlarged via OS settings. We have the right shape of the button. We have the right color. We have the right effect when the user presses down and releases, all of that stuff. So I need to reach out to those UX leads. I'm going to probably get on a phone call with each one. Once the UX leads are established and they're ready to go, I'll set up a project with a structure which, with contributing guidelines. And at that point, we'll start to see the process of filing issues, getting things specced, filing issues to implement those specs, and the, the wheel will begin to turn to create this package. And with that, Ray, I'll go back to you for any questions or anybody else in the audience who'd like to speak about that topic in any way you want. I love what you're doing here. You're taking the lead. Uh, you're taking leadership um, and you know getting something started. Uh, but if anyone else would like to ask questions about this effort, uh, just click the mic button and I can bring you up as a speaker or uh, drop your uh, comments in the tweet thread. Uh, so while we wait for those, uh, for anyone to come up and speak, uh, this is a really open um, and welcoming uh, space. Um, so if you want to come up, uh, we won't judge. Um, I, I don't think anyone here will judge uh, what you have to say or the way you say it. Um, we, we just want to, you know, really uh, have this discussion uh, because <laughs> we haven't been having these discussions um, ever, essentially. So while we give people an opportunity to do that, uh, I just want to uh, highlight, like with these spaces calls, um, if you uh, retweet the space, that will actually uh, help this space show up to uh, the people that are following you. Um, and the idea there is that if we can get, you know, a weekly spaces call for Flutter uh, for makers, um, that's our community, right? And if we can get, you know, uh, 30, 20, 30 people in there, um, every single spaces call, um, then what we're able to do is we're able to have this conversation and also shape the conversation a bit, contribute to shaping the conversation. Uh, for example, uh, the narrative control, uh, the narrative uh, a cycle of Flutter, you know, of SwiftUI beating Flutter or SwiftUI being so good, but better than Flutter, et cetera, um, and all those demos, uh, that's, not, that's not good for Flutter. That's not good for anyone with, you know, a business based on Flutter or any Flutter developers. Um, so uh, I'm just glad we're having this conversation finally. And Matt, that you're actually doing something um, and leading an effort here that I think can really bring the Flutter community together. Um, we, we've needed a lot of leadership and we need something to be passionate about. Um, and this SwiftUI project, I think that 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 is really, like that's a good uh, touchstone. All right, uh, if anyone would like to uh, come up, give your thoughts, you know, join the conversation, uh, just click the mic button and I'll bring you up. Uh, but otherwise, um, I do have a question for you, Matt, uh, around uh, around like just the amount of effort, uh, because I asked a little bit about, you know, how much effort do you think this would take? And you said, uh, well, Groove and Chip said, um, you know, thousands of hours, right? Uh, so uh, 
I, I, I do want to understand like how you're conceptualizing that, you know, that's, it's huge. This is a huge project. Um, and then I want to ask a bit about the governance um, and uh, some of, you know, uh, the collaboration and governance mechanisms. Sure. So, uh, yeah. So you asked that question. I said, I said, you said how many hours? And I said thousands. And then Groove and Chip said at least, well, it's, anything can be represented in thousands. So I think that covers all the possible numbers, but uh, there's no doubt that it's a massive project. And, you know, let's be real. There's a reason that Flutter's Cupertino widgets are so incomplete. There's a lot to do and it's a changing landscape. But I also, I don't view this as a project in the sense that we go do it and it's done. It's an, it's, a package is going to live and is going to continue to evolve. The goal, I think, with any sufficiently complex um, effort like this is to begin with the biggest bang for the buck. What are the things that everybody needs right out of the box? You know, what, what essentially let's every day, let's apply the 80-20 principle. Where can we put in 20% of the effort to get 80% of the remaining value? I think that's a heuristic that I'd like for us to apply. Eventually, we will get to everything. Eventually, we'll get to all the little nooks and crannies of Swift UI, even if that takes 5,000, 10,000 hours. But it's not like it's not like you have to wait for the 5,000 to 10,000 hours to use it because in all likelihood in the first few hundred hours will create most of the things that you're likely to need on a daily basis. In terms of, of governance, I guess, well, let, I guess let me put it back to you to make that question a little more specific rather than assume what you mean. Oh, that, uh, yeah, that's great, Matt, that it, you're right, you're right. Um, <laughs> one flaw I have is um, I want to see the entire picture first, uh, but you're right that we can just build one Swift UI component and that's already usable. You can use one Swift UI component. There's nothing that says that you have to have 20 Swift UI components before you can start using, you know, one of them. Um, so I, I love that you push back on that. Um, it's a logical fallacy, but nothing st stops us from getting started with one. So about the governance, um, I want to understand, like, how... Uh, how the Flutter community and someone coming into this project can contribute um, and how can they um, affect, how can they make decisions essentially? Uh, because the reason we're, one of the reasons we're saying that we don't want to build this inside of the Flutter SDK is because it's too slow. Um, there's too many blockers, um, et cetera. So how are we avoiding that? Uh, some of those pitfalls. Um, so, so I think there's kind of two different questions there. The, the question about how someone working on the project can make decisions is, I think, different from asking how do we ensure that it's that there's an efficient use of time when contributing to the project. And in fact, those are somewhat contrary forces. The more opportunity you have to make your own decisions, uh, the probably the longer it will take on average for developers to contribute. But let me go to the efficiency of contributions. Um, I think I think the Flutter organization suffers from 
at least two major problems with contributions. Well, actually, let, let me go with three. First, their testing infrastructure is too complicated for almost any normal person to understand. Their CI system, which is distributed across multiple locations and multiple types of machines, and in fact, multiple companies, I, I think this may have changed over the years, but when I was on the team, there was part of the CI system that ran in Google itself, but they also outsourced a certain portion of their CI system to at least one other company. So like literally different companies' machines were running the CI system. And then, and so that's where all the tests run. But to run a test, you first have to write a test. Well, where do you write a test? Well, at least, again, last time I looked at the documentation, there was really nothing telling me where in that project, where in the Flutter project I should place a test or how I should think about breaking down a test. What are the standard testing practices? That There really was no serious help in that regard. So everything around testing and CI is a huge hurdle that we can avoid by the, by the fact that we will run all CI through GitHub and I will provide as clear of testing instructions as possible so that you have an idea of what to test and where to test it and how to test it. Then there's the issue of uh, pull requests in the world of Flutter where you can be 90% done with a work item. The Flutter team isn't going to help you with the last 10%. They're just going to tell you that you haven't met their standards, you have, there's something you haven't done, and then they're going to leave the conversation and good luck to you. We're not going to do that here. If, 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 if meaningful work is 90% done, we are going to have people that come in and help you get it the rest of the way. That's what it means to actually be a community effort. Um, that's what it means to empower a community. There's a difference between allowing contributions and facilitating contributions. To the extent possible, we're going to facilitate contributions. Um, and there was... Okay, and the third issue that I have in my mind is in the Flutter organization, there's kind of this idea that if you want to contribute, you're responsible from start to finish, that whatever is involved with the task, you have to go off and deal with it. But that's really not a good understanding of skill sets. The people who are really good at let's say, let's bring this back to Swift UI, for example. We know that we're cloning something. So the people who are really knowledgeable about what iOS and Swift UI look like and feel like, and the people who are really good at digging into the, the fine-grained details of how it works, might be completely different from the people who are really good at, uh, let's say, creating Flutter infrastructure which might be different from people who are really good at quickly building widgets given an existing infrastructure, which might be different from the people who are good at writing effective tests, which might be different from people who are good at writing effective documentation. So making, you know, forcing one person to do all these jobs in general is a losing strategy. We want a strategy that lets each of these things when necessary happen independently so that one person produces something they're really good at, the next person takes that great output, they do what they're great at, and that keeps going down the line until you've got the best result possible. I think on all three of those fronts, the Flutter organization is very suboptimal. 
And I'm hoping that we can do a better job with the Swift UI effort. But before I ask a follow-up question there, uh, if anyone else would like to come up and uh, speak or ask a question, uh, just click on the mic button um, and I'll bring you up as a speaker. Um, and for people that are just joining, um, if you, uh, so if you're a Flutter developer or you're a maker um, and you're here to, you know, share what you're uh, working on, uh, just press that button as well um, and we'll bring you up and you can just jump in at any time. Um, or this is a really open space and we're welcome to anyone coming up and speaking. All right, I'll just uh, quickly ask a follow-up question, Matt. So um, that, that's really great um, that, and this opportunity here is that we can show <laughs> essentially how an open source project and how the Flutter community can actually be moved, be motivated and you know, activated um, to really build something great. Um, so that's the opportunity here. Um, specifically around regarding the governance, uh, let me give an example. Uh, so governance is essentially uh, the bylaws, um, the decision-making process, and where uh, power, um, power in terms of uh, being, you know, the decision maker saying, "Here's uh, this how this thing goes," or "Here's how we're doing this is something this way." Um, so, some of those, uh, I guess, bylaws and uh, decision making. Um, and the example would be uh, regarding tests. So, um, there's a lot of different testing philosophies out there. Of how do, how are we deciding on? Uh, one testing philosophy, and how are we deciding? You know, you know uh, how m many tests there need to be. Uh, for example, for me, um, I'm a big fan of running uh, essentially uh, integration tests. So, um, I'd, I'd rather first we do an integration test and run it. You know, on say. Uh, two, three, four hundred different screen sizes. So you build a UI. You run it on, you know, your range of like 40 different, you know, a screen common, you know, phones like Samsung S23, uh, iPhone, uh, you know, 14, iPhone 15, etc. Uh, you run it on those screen sizes and uh, you do that first. And then if you have time, uh, you know, you do other, you, you can add more testing. Uh, so how do you make those decisions? Um, and do you want people to... Uh, besides you yourself, Matt, um, to contribute to making some of those decisions? So the question of decision-making, really there's, there's kind of two major options. You either have the benevolent dictator or you have some kind of committee. Uh, for those who have run small companies, small teams, and relatively small open source efforts, it should be very obvious that committees just aren't that's, that's not where you start. You just can't make progress with committees. Once you have a, you know, a big, massive project that's used by all sorts of industries and all over the world and stuff, then it makes sense to have working groups and things like that. You can look at like the W3C as an example of that. But when you're trying to get something off the ground, what matters is the effectiveness of progress. And that really comes down to the benevolent dictator model. You have someone that you believe will, will listen to all incoming information and 
make the best decision given all the information, even if occasionally it's a decision you don't like. And so my intention is to go down that route. As the tech lead, I will be the benevolent dictator wherever possible. I will, I will encourage other people to make judgment calls, and I will try to get involved with that as little as possible. But, what, but at the end of the day, I'll be the one person who has that override capacity. Now, I mentioned UX uh, leads earlier when talking about this. In general, when it comes to establishing the specification for what we're building in terms of cloning Swift UI, my goal and desire and intention is that, for example, the UX lead for typography has the final say on the typography behavior of a given widget. And that you know, no, nobody else is going to override that. I expect that person to listen to all input, be fully aware and knowledgeable of what Swift UI does. But when, when that person says, I have reviewed all available information, I'm aware of all the options, this is the one we're going with, then that's it. So that's kind of like a benevolent dictator within a particular domain within Swift UI. And then that's ideally, at least getting us started, that's it. That's all the structure we're going to have in terms of authority. And then between myself and the UX leads, we will have whatever kind of decision making process and discussions we need. So you mentioned testing. I'll be the one to make those decisions. As I mentioned, I'll listen to all points of view on that. Um, but my view towards testing, as with most things, is that it's a constant cost benefit uh, analysis. So what tests can we write? You know, there, there's a burden to every test. Every test that you write has an engineering burden to create it. It has a literal CI runtime burden where how long do I have to wait for every PR to pass CI? If we ever get into a case where running CI actually costs money, now you're actually you're literally paying some amount of money for every CPU cycle that you use. Then there's the question about how often tests break for various reasons. Sometimes they break because you want them to break. Sometimes they're flaky, as in something like golden tests. Uh, and then when the feature changes and you have to, and you're supposed to change the test, how much effort does it take to change that test? All of these things factor in. I want to see us lock down as much intentional behavior as we can with the least amount of effort, the lowest CI runtime, and without with locking down the least amount of incidental behavior or implementation details. That's my guiding philosophy there towards testing. I think I also have a blog post up on the Flutter Bounty Hunters blog about how to think about testing, that it's, it's not about correctness, it's about locking down behavior. Uh, if anybody wants to understand that point of view, you can go read the blog post. But to the question of governance, I'll be the one to make the final call. There's going to be a lot of final calls to make early in the project. And the important thing is that we get people working on uh, shippable value rather than worrying too much about who makes which decisions. Oh, that's great, Matt. Oh, that's great. I do trust. I, I trust you. Um, so the benevolent dictator, um, I, I think you're, you're probably one of the best benevolent dictators possible, uh, probably based on what, you know, uh, everything I've seen you, uh, build and, um, everything I've heard you say. Um, so, uh, I, I'm fully, you know, down for listening to, uh, what you're saying, uh, but I'm 
but other people might not be. Um, if anyone else would like to uh, jump in or if you have any thoughts uh, or, you know, would like to, uh, you know, talk about any Flutter topic or share what you're building on, uh, remember to just request to speak and I'll bring you up. Um, and it's really great that we now have 25 people on here. Um, so what that means is we are shaping the discussion. Uh, we're having the discussion and we're shaping this discussion and the shaping the future of Flutter um, in a little way. So that's really incredible. Um, so thank you all for joining. Um, I, I do disagree with pretty much all of the governance that uh, you proposed, Matt. Um, <laughs> I'll just say that if, uh, my, my ideal uh, governance is back from uh, the early 2010s and early 2000s forum days. So essentially, uh, the people that are contributing the most, um, making the most posts, pull requests, contributions, um, you know, based on your forum score, um, uh, and your rep, uh, they um, are the ones that have more decision-making power. Um, so that's where I uh, that's where I uh, uh, come from. Uh, but I'll leave it at that. Um, I think this is great, um, and uh, we have we do have another speaker, uh, Multitail. Um, you have the floor. Hi. Um, yeah. My my name is Franklin. Um, thanks for having this space. I just wanted to ask Matt, um, what was the main motivation um, for trying to clone this Swift UI package? What, what, what flaw did you see? And what was your main motivation for, for trying to doing this, for trying to do this? Thank you. Sure. So what's the, what's the primary motivation of creating the Swift UI uh, clone? We, we have a significant marketing problem for Flutter where it has become all too easy for people to post little snippets of Swift UI code and then suggest that somehow Flutter can't recreate that UI or that it's much more difficult in Flutter. Or they'll say, hey, look at these Cupertino widgets. They're like 90% correct, but it's in this uncanny valley where they're still they're wrong enough that people notice it and then that gets exaggerated. And what this does over time, and it, these kinds of posts have been going on for years now, and there are more of them today than there were previously. What these posts do is they create FUD, fear, uncertainty, and doubt around Flutter, broadly speaking. Um, in fact, you know, like some people talk about using the right tool for the job, and now there's this viewpoint that, well, if you're if you're shipping to iOS, the right tool for the job is Swift UI. No, the, the right tool for the job is what most empowers your business to deliver value to your customers at minimal cost. And most of the time, that's still Flutter. But it's difficult to deliver that message when people can so easily post a snippet of Swift UI code and make these complaints about what Flutter does or doesn't do, can or can't do. So we can kind of solve two problems at the same time with this clone. Assuming that we deliver uh, what we're aiming to, a Flutter developer will be able to post a roughly equivalent uh, snippet of Flutter code, which renders the same UI with the same gestures and interactions, and then proves beyond any doubt, yes, obviously Flutter can do that. No, Flutter is not incapable of recreating the pixels that Swift UI paints. Second, when a Flutter developer uses these widgets, we talked about this a little bit earlier, but 
Um, you know, most apps are branded for companies. I point everyone to the Twitter slash X app that you're using right now. Almost all of this app looks like X, not like iOS. But apps do occasionally drop in widgets or drop in settings screens or things like that where they where they want and expect that experience to look like an iOS style or OEM, original equipment manufacturer style. And right now, it would seem that some or perhaps most of the Cupertino widgets in the Flutter framework are failing to hit that bar. People are noticing differences. Again, they're creating blog posts and videos complaining about it. Or there may you may not even have a Cupertino widget available that looks like the thing that you want. It might not exist at all. So my point is, let's just put all of this to rest. Let's go create the Flutter version of Swift UI. Let's cover all the widgets, all the, all the screens, all the flows, all the, the scrolling dynamics, the gesture interactions, all of it. Let's make that available to any Flutter developer who wants it for part of their app. And then let's use that to put an end to all these social media posts that keep pretending like somehow Flutter is fundamentally incapable of these things when we all should know that Flutter is very much capable of accomplishing those things. Mm, I see, I see. All right, thank you very much. That's fine. Uh, would anyone else like to uh, ask a question um, or you know comment on what was just said? Uh, just press the mic button, or uh, uh, you can, if you aren't able to speak, um, you can also uh, reply to this space, and we'll uh, see it as well. And Matt can answer. Yeah, about putting those uh, concerns to rest. Um, that just made that just reminded me of uh, when I first found Flutter uh, back in 2018. The most incredible thing about Flutter, uh, to me as an Android developer, was that it did not have the constraints of Material UI. Um, so what that means is that I could make shadows that were um, that were a diffuse shadows iOS style diffuse shadows instead of the material design physics based shadows that was game changing because in uh, Android uh, you couldn't do that uh, back in 2018 the way to make shadows on Android was you would uh, take a screenshot and you'd put it behind your content um, and you'd use a uh, nine patch images so we do need to perhaps um, rethink some of our uh, approaches to Flutter, where for me personally, uh, I, I've been struggling with Flutter's material widgets and material design for years. And sometimes I just have to remind myself that you don't have to use a material design widget. You can just build a custom widget yourself. So I don't know if anyone else agrees, but there is that shift in mindset where uh, sometimes you do feel like, I do feel like that I am locked into using material design widgets and trying to force it to do what I want it to do, even when that's not the best solution. Um, so I think it's great that uh, if we approach the Swift UI widgets with a new mindset, um, that might be a lot better.
Uh, would anyone else like to uh, come up and uh, speak um, or share what you're working on? Uh, Matt, I see that you dropped off as a listener. Um, if you want to uh, come up again, uh, just press the mic button and I'll bring you up. All right, if not, oh, sorry. Um, yeah, go ahead, multi-tail. Yeah, um, I would. So um, when this project commences, I'm going to try to build it from the very scratch because I, I know that, of course, I'm total some compatible widget right now. Or I'm going to rethink the entire layout of it, right? For example, um, compatible switch, if you want to build something like that. I'm going to like copy the code that, that Flutter already has and try to modify it or, or, and build on that. Or we're going to rethink it from the ground up. The other thing. Oh, I'm not sure. Um, I, I guess uh, I'd have to bring Matt, Matt back up to uh, um, answer that question. Um, all right, uh, Matt might have dropped off because he can't speak right now. Um, so we'll, we'll uh, come back to that. Um, so right now um, in the tweet box, you can see that uh, Matt has uh, shared his Swift UI initiative. Uh, there's a form. Um, that's the first tweet that's shared. So if you uh, want to go and fill it out, um, and that's how you, uh, Matt will contact you and get you started. And you can help lead um, efforts in this community um, and with this package. Um, so right now, we have 85 people, it looks like, who've signed up. Um, that's incredible. Yeah. It's going to be fun. <laughs> um, so I host these spaces weekly. Um, I'm trying okay. to get the, a weekly Flutter space. Uh, so we can have these conversations and we can support other Flutter developers. Um, I don't come with an agenda, um, but uh, today there are uh, a few guests here. So we have Gautier here um, and he built um, something called uh, a parents kit. Um, so that's a Flutter uh, starter kit for uh, it's a starter kit for, for Flutter. Um, so I shared his tweet inside the tweet box as well. Okay, cool. Um, does he want to come up and talk to us about it? So I don't know if he has done that before before I joined the space. Oh, sorry, I didn't catch that. What was that? Yeah, I said, does he want to come up to um, tell us about appearance kits? Or I don't know if he has already done that before I joined the space. Oh, uh, it's pretty late where he is right now. So uh, oh. he, he's, he's with his... Uh, son so he can't, uh, his son is sleeping so he can't talk um so uh, i shared that uh, there were some interesting discussions there with uh flutter and uh, the maker community so how can we get the maker community to adopt flutter um and i think th the way we do that is by first embracing makers so if someone builds something in flutter uh we should support them uh, we'll, you know, just tell them, hey, this is great <laughs> uh, and check it out and, 
you know, uh, give them a like or something if someone builds something in Flutter. Uh, so that's step number one. Uh, you embrace the makers, and then the makers embrace you. Uh, one thing I do want to uh, comment on really quickly is uh, I'm looking through the people on this space, and um, what's incredible, what's really incredible is that there seems to be uh, a Flutter Africa community, and Flutter seems to be very popular, um, at least on Flutter Twitter, uh, with people in Africa. Uh, so... It is, yeah, yeah. The lot of comments in Africa, people are doing cool stuff here. So, yeah, yeah, that, that's that's great. Um, uh, maybe you can uh, speak a bit more about um the six, uh, I, I guess the community success in Africa and uh, how we can you know uh bring that worldwide essentially. Oh yeah, yeah, yeah. Um. There, there are a couple of platforms. Um, so there's Flutter Byte Conference. I'm not sure if, if, if you're seeing the community, but it's, I think they're, they're really going viral now. And women in, in, women in Flutter also, um, basically just supporting women who want to get into the field of mobile developments. Yeah. Um, they host events, meetups, right? Sometimes Twitter spaces like this also. also. Yeah, and they have been, have been able to pull other people, right? Even people that just newly want to get into tech, they just choose Flutter because of there's already a supporting community for them in Africa. So they feel very comfortable just getting into that space. Yeah. I think it's great. Oh, that's, that's great. Yeah. Oh, that's incredible. But the reason I raised that as a you know success story, um, and, and it seems like there's some key elements here where as someone starts off in te tech, um, and there's a pathway, there's a pathway for them to get into Flutter, uh, which might not exist in um, you know America or in um, India. Um, so India is a particular example where uh, there there are a lot of um, developers. Um, but if you survey a room of 100 developers, you might just find one Flutter developer and the rest, not the 90 of them will be, you know, uh, web, right? Web, yeah. So would you say that uh, maybe uh, I have a question about like, what does the pathway, the Flutter pathway look like Um for for you, uh, what did it look like for you, and uh, what does it? What do you think it looks like for other people? Um. So when I first started, um. So when I first started, I, I think I, I started Flutter around twenty nineteen. Um. There was no there was no much community then, so I I was just trying to learn with everything I could please my handle, and um, especially the popular Angela use course really helped me. Uh, but I think right now, people are creating established um, pathways. So a guy from Nigeria called Simi is actually creating a course, a Flutter beginners course, right? And he's actually taking them step by step. This is what you should learn. After this, learn this. 
Catalyst learn this. So I think it's actually great and it's actually better that way. Um, now that people, more people are adopting Flutter and even more companies also are now adopting it, you know, because it's, it's, it's cross-platform. I think anyone who wants to get into tech now, it's, it's actually much easier for them than it was three or four years ago. Yeah. Oh, that's great. And uh, we got Ma Matt back as a speaker, uh, so he can answer your question. Uh, but before I bring him um, in, uh, let's just wrap up that conversation there. Um, so I just remember what's really incredible is remember the first flutter forward. The first flutter forward was at uh, Nairobi in Africa. Yeah, uh, yeah, yeah. I and I think we now know why. <laughs> <laughs> exactly. That is that Africa, is incredible. Africa is a very fertile. Africa is a very fertile land for flutter. <laughs> yeah. I, I love it. So the Flutter team was like, okay, let's try to, let, let's see if we can host Flutter Forward in America. Uh-oh. Um, there's only three Flutter developers in Chicago. <laughs> there's only 10 Flutter developers in New York. Whoops, that's not going to work. <laughs> wow, we, we, we figured out a big mystery. Well, I, I figured out a mystery here for me. I don't know if anyone else thought it was a mystery, but that is incredible. I love it. Yeah, yeah it is. Ray, do you want to summarize whatever question it was that I missed? And I, it's, it's possible that I may need to drop off quickly if a call comes in. I'm, I'm dealing with uh, ingoing and outgoing calls. Uh, yeah, multi-tail. Uh, can you um, ask your oh, question yeah. again? Yeah, yeah. So, Matt, um, so my question basically was that when the project actually kicks off and we start building these widgets, um, are we going to, because I know Flutter right now has some couple of personal widgets, right, which are okay. So are we going to rethink the widgets from scratch or are we going to just leverage the current personal widget, copy the code over and try to modify and build upon it? Or are we going to rethink the widgets from scratch? Okay. So the question is that the Flutter project already contains a bunch of things called Cupertino widgets, some or all of which yes. will qualify as Swift UI widgets moving forward. Are we going to use them, copy them, not use them? What are we going to do? And I would say that I, I don't really care. The Except that whatever, whenever someone uses this Swift UI package and they use a widget, it looks and behaves like the, what they expect from Swift UI. In some cases, we might be able to pass through directly to Cupertino widgets. Now, let me separate near-term from long-term. Long term, I'd probably like to see all of the implementation in this package, but let's talk about near term. If we can literally just wrap an existing Cupertino widget with a different name and different properties, and that gives the exact desired experience, we'll do that. There's no reason to spend more time on that right now than we have to. In other cases, we might have Cupertino widgets that are 90% of the way there. They've solved some problems, but not all. I have no issue with people copying that code over into the Swift UI package and then adding or adjusting it. And I believe the licensing in Flutter 
means that should be fine. The Swift UI package, whenever it exists, it will be under a permissive MIT license, essentially the most permissive license you can have. So our license is permissive, Flutter's license is permissive. If we want to copy that code over, that's fine. And then in other cases, there may be Cupertino widgets that fundamentally make structural decisions that we can't abide, that we can't replicate. For example, there may be Cupertino widgets that internally depend on material. We're not going to do that. We're going to keep material out of this package. Uh, there may be internal details in, a, in one Cupertino widget that depends on another Cupertino widget. So if we, if we, that forces us to either bring both or neither, in that case, probably neither. So all options are on the table. The only thing that really matters is that when somebody drops one of these widgets into their widget tree, does it look and behave exactly the way they expect? That's the litmus test. Mm, okay, okay, okay. So it's not just um, a one way of doing it, right? We can, it can be a mix of both as long as we get our results. Yes, that's right. And as long as it gets the results. And the results, I mean, I guess I said the litmus test is whether it, it, it acts and behaves the way it should. That's the minimum bar. We also need to make sure that whatever our testing strategy is, that it's reflected there. If any infrastructure that we introduce, for example, uh, in the widget tree, there may be various types of scoping. If you go look at Swift UI, for example, things lower down in the widget tree can impact the title of the title bar that's in a scaffold higher up in the tree. So there are going to be additional requirements that technical requirements that we need to be able to match. But as long as the technical requirements are met and the UX requirements are met, all the options are on the table. You and any other developer can go about it any way you want, at least in the near term. If we want to change that policy in the long term, maybe we will. We'll take a look at the results and address it. I also, you know, as I, let's assume that we have complete success with this package. It also begs the question, should the Flutter team consider deprecating their Cupertino widgets in favor of this package? Now, again, that's assuming complete success. Like we, we cover everything and it, and it all, it looks and behaves the way it should. At that point, is there really any reason to have a half measure, like half of the widgets in the Flutter framework, if we can just have all of the Swift UI iOS experience in this package, and then the framework developers can go focus on the stuff that I think is actually more important, which is the engine and it's the element tree and the render tree, and it's the fundamental, you know, the fundamental way that all of us use Flutter. I I kind of wish the the framework team would focus more on that personally uh, than than adjusting some touch animation from the latest iOS spec. Hey, let's see how it goes. Now that's, that's great, Matt. Uh, so uh, just in case that you have to uh, run um, really quickly um, and have to drop off, uh, how can, uh, what are the next steps and how can, um, members, uh, people on this call and other Flutter community members listening later, how can they contribute? Okay, so I, I posted a link to a Google form. Anybody who's interested in contributing can go fill that out. It's just a few questions that determine what it is that you want to do. Because one of the things I mentioned earlier is that 
I don't believe that we should expect every person on the project to contribute in the same way. Not everyone should be responsible for everything. If there's an area where you have interest, we should facilitate you contributing there and not necessarily other places. So go to my uh, Twitter slash X profile, find that post. It's one of the most recent ones and go submit that form. And then you'll, I'll have your email and I'll have your answers and eventually you will hear from me. In terms of the next steps for the overall effort, I need to directly have calls with each of the people who have offered to be UX leads. Uh, and what I described earlier is that a UX lead, so we talked about governance and I said, hey, I'm gonna be the tech lead on this project. And what that means is that I'm gonna be a benevolent dictator for this project, but there are gonna be kind of these lower level benevolent dictators as well called UX leads, where a UX lead is responsible for fully understanding some area of the spec like typography, color, motion animation, scrolling dynamics, and they're gonna make the final call as to what we implement in terms of the UX. So those are very critical positions. It's important that we get people in those positions and that we can count on them. So I'm going to directly have calls with those people, try to figure out the best collection of them that I can. And at that point, I will establish the project, initial policies, initial project structure. We'll start filing tickets and that's when everybody else starts to get involved. Now, given we have almost 100 people who have offered to contribute. The only way to make that work, I think, is to kind of bring people in in phases. Because if all of a sudden we dump 100 people on a repo, it's going to be madness. So probably little by little, I'll invite more and more people to pick up different roles. And over some period of time, maybe weeks or maybe a month or something like that, hopefully all 100 people will be able to contribute in various areas in this well understood process. Oh, that's, that's great. Um, besides following you um, here on Twitter, um, are there any other channels where uh, we can follow the status of this pro uh, project? Uh, for example, say a discord channel in uh, flutter dev, uh, Discord or uh, your own Discord, um, or uh, you know, are there any other channels where we can keep up? Once the project is established, I'm going to create. So I have a a Discord for all Flutter bounty hunter projects. For those that don't know, the Flutter bounty hunters is a team that I run. We work exclusively on open source Flutter and Dart projects. Um, this project isn't going to quite fit that mold because traditional Flutter Bounty Hunter projects, we actually get companies to come in and fund our work. All of us working on this project for the foreseeable future, we are working for free. We're doing this for the community. Maybe someday companies will want to support it, but there should be no such expectations. Regardless, I have that team, the Flutter Bounty Hunters. I have a Discord for the Flutter Bounty Hunters. I will create a channel or a room or whatever it's called specifically for this project. And at that point, anybody who wants to join that will be able to. It doesn't exist yet. I'm gonna wait until we actually get a repo set up with, with a wiki with some guidance. But once that's done, I will create that room and people will be able to join. So for now, probably following me on, on Twitter slash X is the way to go. But in the near future, we'll be moving the discussion over to Discord. And then Twitter slash X will primarily be a place for all of us to post the progress that we're making, 
post any any weird flutter issues we run into and kind of generally do the marketing uh, marketing side and broader community interactions. We'll do that on, on Twitter and X. Awesome. I love what I'm hearing. Um, if anyone else would like to uh, ask any questions, uh, now is your chance because uh, Matt's got to run really quickly, uh, really soon. So just press the mic button and we'll bring you up. This is a very open space. Uh, come up, talk about whatever you like. Um, if you have a project you're working on um, and you're a maker, come up and share your project or, or just tweet it and I'll put it in the tweet box. Um, but we'll, uh, yeah, we'll uh, get to uh, the winding down of this space. Um, so we'll give an opportunity for any, anyone else to come up um, and also uh, start uh, promoting Oh, uh, we do have a request um, and also start promoting um, any anything that anyone's working on. Uh, so I did get a request. Uh, it just, okay, it disappeared. Um, the request disappeared. Um, so if you sent the request, uh, please press the mic button again. All right, I do want to highlight um, the latest tweet in the tweet box. Uh, so uh, here's, uh, I'm, I shared a tweet uh, by Burju, uh, Burju Vachani. Um, so Burju works uh, for me at Codelessly, and he recreated uh, the Swift UI scroll effects in Flutter. Um, so uh, last week and uh, the week before, we discussed uh, scroll transitions. So iOS, uh, their new newest feature that is making the rounds on Twitter that everyone's going crazy about, and they've been going crazy about for a few months now, um, <laughs> is the scroll up transitions. Uh, so essentially what that is, is you have a list, um, a, scroll, a list view, right? And in a Swift UI, it's called a scroll view. Um, and then... Um, at the end of each item, well, at, at the end of the scroll view, you add a modifier. So you can add a transition modifier that then modifies each item. Um, so when you scroll, every item gets animated in and out, and you have some really fancy, uh, you know, resize animations. Uh, but Burju, uh, he's incredible, and he just shared that you can do the same thing in Flutter, apparently. Uh, which I did not know that was, you know, possible out of the box, uh, but it looks really good. So uh, that's that's a win. That's a huge win. Yeah, that looks looks good. I, I opened up the tweet, saw the uh, saw the interaction there. Um, do you know if he used the like standard uh, flutter viewport and scrolling system, or did it take more of a custom render object to pull that off? Uh, I, I do not know. Um, uh, you can see the code a bit. Uh, he uses a scroll animation effects builder. So I'm guessing that's uh, he wrote a custom effects builder um, or a custom um, item wrapper that animates the, uh, and coordinates the transition in and out. Okay, I'll have to look deeper into that when I get a chance. I couldn't really make out the code on my phone, but uh, fl you know, Flutter scroll. I think we talked about Flutter scrolling system in a previous Spaces call. It. Uh, 
there, unfortunately, the scrolling system is not particularly composable. It has, it definitely has different pieces. There is a viewport versus content builders versus gestures. The difficulty though, is that they all depend on each other. So even though there are multiple pieces, you can't really replace any of those pieces. You kind of either take the whole scrolling system or none of it, which has created all sorts of, of issues over time. Um, and it, it also means that when you want to get, when you want to really get in there and do custom stuff in terms of scrolling, you're dealing with, with slivers and slivers are probably the most complicated thing in all of flutter. If you're going to write a custom render sliver, for example, there's like 10 different dimensions to the geometry that you, that you have to account for in there. And most scrolling cases and situations just simply don't require that. So one thing that we might end up looking at in this new package for Swift UI is whether it makes sense for us to invent some new scrolling primitives that aren't nearly as complicated, but are more composable and make it easier to achieve some of these Swift UI scrolling effects. I, I don't know yet. That's all, of course, a technical investigation, but that's something that's on my mind. Oh, well, if we're, uh, if anyone's interested in learning more about what Burgi's doing, uh, take a look at it, you know, his demo. Uh, and what is great is we could possibly get a Burgi scroll transition widget um, and the work he's doing. If we ask nicely, maybe that could be uh, one of the first contributions to uh, this iOS package. That'd be a quick win. Yeah, sounds good. Let's see if it works out. All right. So um, if anyone else would like to uh, come up and uh, plug what they're working on, <coughs> uh, just hit the mic button. Otherwise, I'll just shout out um, a parent's kit um, again. So a parent's kit is created by uh, Gautier. Uh, it's in the tweet box right now. And it is a starter uh, starter kit for Flutter that does auth, uh, that does uh, navigation, is fully covered by tests and in-app payments and also re uh, reviews. So it's got all of that set up for you. Um, and uh, I thought it was very interesting because uh, uh, Gautier uh, posted you know, some st stats um, and shared how it the launch on uh, Product Hunt went, um, and it seems to w have gone pretty well. Um, so, uh, as of like day one, he made eleven sales. Uh, so that's pretty incredible for a you know Flutter product. Uh, and uh, my commentary here is that uh, at the Flutter community, whenever you're making something for the com community. Um, what I think the community needs to realize, and perhaps even Google as well, is that we are investing into the Flutter ecosystem. And that investment is very uncertain. And it also uh, very likely doesn't have a you know net positive payoff. Um, so a lot of it is motivated by uh, a somewhat irrational desire. Um, and 
we'll just call it, you know, it's our love for Flutter. Um, and that that's what a lot of people don't realize that like making this kit uh, that it's cost, it probably costed a lot of money um, and time to put together something like this. Uh, so if we have the opportunity to support someone uh, just with, you know, a like or just, you know, with an encouraging message, um, that's that's what we want to build into this community. Um, and hopefully makers, you know, they'll see uh, other other people that are not in our community right now. They see that there is so much support for Flutter companies and for also Flutter developers and makers that they'll want to build their product using Flutter just to get access to, you know, all this support. Uh, so thank you all for being on this call because uh, that's contributing. Uh, just being on this call and some of you who've retweeted the space, um, the algorithm uh, puts the space at the top of people's, uh, of, of your followers' Twitter um, if uh, you retweet the space. Um, and the more people that are in this space, uh, the more people see that message. Um, so we, 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 we did a great job, and that's thanks to all of you. Um, yeah, I do, um, yeah, go ahead. Um, yeah, really, I just wanted to ask, um, how, how often do you host, host this space? I didn't get that. How frequently do you host this space? I try to host them every week, weekly on Wednesdays. Um, so this seems like a good time, so we should do this again. Um, and maybe even a bit earlier uh, to get some more people from India, perhaps. Uh, but weekly on Wednesdays at 2 p.m. Uh, Central Daylight Time or 6 p.m. Central Daylight Time. Um, okay, that's fine. Uh, so let me uh, post another tweet uh, inside uh, of um, the tweet box. So we have Elise, um, who has made um, a new project. Uh, so post this tweet. Uh, give me a second. Elise, would you like to come up and uh, discuss your project? Um, if not, that's fine as well. Um, I've put it in the tweet box. So for those that are listening, um, it is called OnMindAI, OnMindAI.com. And what it does is you can speak with native fluency with ChatGPT4, talk in different situations, lead the speech, native voice, and AI chatbot. So it's learn to speak a new language. Okay, I'm opening it right now. Oh, wow, this looks great. A uh, nice landing page. So there is the capability for uh, converting documents to text and audio. And this app, it looks like it helps you uh, speak other languages fluently. Uh, so 
uh, are you looking to master fluent speaking and learn new languages effortlessly? Question mark. Online has you covered. Immerse yourself in real situations, converse naturally, and lead the conversation your way with the power of AI and ChatGPT. And it's available on Apple and Google Play. So I'm guessing that this was built in Flutter. The power of Flutter. All right, so uh, if anyone else has anything they would like to promote um, or uh, they'd like to come up and speak, um, this is uh, your last chance. Before they do that, I'll just thank everybody for coming into the spaces. We've had a few of these. I, I think this is probably the largest one. And I will point out that the more people that show up and the more routinely you show up, then the more that incentivizes these spaces to continue and the more uh, kind of interaction among ideas we have. So I hope that most or all of you show up next week for the next spaces and that we can continue some of this momentum moving forward. Uh, yes, thank you very much. Um, I would like to second what Matt just said. And thanks, Matt, for uh, being with being there at the very beginning. This is spaces number four, Flutter spaces number four. Uh, you were there since the very beginning. Um, and sometimes, you know, it was just me, just me sitting there for an hour. Um, so <laughs> thank you all uh, for not not letting me uh, just sit there for an hour alone. I really appreciate that. Um, so in the future, uh, we'll have these, you know, every week on Wednesdays. And if you would like to host, um, you, if you would like to host, you can host as uh, well. Uh, you can take over my job. Um, I'm perfectly fine with that. We can co-host this together. Um, if you want to do it at a different time, you're welcome to do it at another time as well. Um, I d fully support it. I'm not the only one. I don't want to be the only one do doing this. Um, I fully encourage anyone else to also host, and I will retweet your space, and I'll try to join your space if possible. Um, so to close things out, um, if you want to uh, share something, uh, either send a tweet right now or uh, click on the mic button. Um, and then my final word here is that um, in the future, uh, if you want to support Flutter, if you want to you know, build this community for you know, us and for you know, new people um, who are just starting out, uh, come to these spaces, join these spaces. And just keep it on your phone. Keep it open on your phone. You can mute it and keep it in the background. Um, but the algorithm, like once it detects, you know, hey, there's, you know, 20 people here, um, then it really, really promotes it. And it really helps us uh, get the message out and create, you know, a space for people, for Flutter people. Okay, any uh, last words or any uh, any thoughts? Um, last chance, everyone. All right, well, thank you all so much and have a wonderful rest of your night or rest of your afternoon.